The following program depicts scenes of murder and violence. Viewer discretion is advised. Words appear sequentially. Crime Crusher. Featuring Donna Judd. On whose blind life is it anyway? The Blind Perspective Network. Sponsored by VIP Tech. Author Donna Jodhan presents Episode 7 The President's Super Christmas Ship. President Marco Sumner, who you first met in the episode The President's Super Christmas Plane, will tell you that thanks to a little boy called Nicholas Gleason, he has had a new lease on life, and now he spends much of his time helping to make dreams come true for those less fortunate. President Marco and his new best buddy Nicholas Gleason spend much of their time working together to bring joy and happiness to so many others, and they do it in a unique way. In this episode, it is time for them to sail their super Christmas ship across the seas, and the ship is loaded with some top-secret cargo for some very special folks. The night starts off well for President Marco and Nicholas, but soon the seas turn rough and the waves become very high. The pair have to struggle to keep their super Christmas ship afloat, but they get help from some very special friends, and at the end of it all, President Marco and Nicholas complete their mission and return safely home to loved ones. They bring back someone with them, and Christmas morning is saved. The President's Super Christmas Ship, A Tale of Adventure Across the Miles Written by Donna J. Jodhan Hello, 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 it's Detective DJ, and welcome to Episode 7 of my 12 Days of Christmas box set, entitled The 12 Days of Christmas. I hope that everyone is enjoying themselves, cooking, baking, shopping, running around, doing whatever comes best for you at this time of the year. The first is called Santa's Super Secret. The second is called The President's Super Christmas Plane. The third is called Santa's Secret Toy Shop. The fourth is called Santa's Secret Christmas Ring. The fifth is entitled Santa's Super Christmas Party. And number six was entitled Santa's Secret Sleigh Ride. Now it is time for Episode 7, which is entitled The President's Super Christmas Ship. Welcome aboard, and I hope you enjoy this episode. All about President Marco Sumner and his sidekick, Nicholas Gleason. It could be said that President Marco Sumner and his sidekick, Nicholas Gleason, had met under very special circumstances. 
Several years ago, Marco Sumner, who was the president of a huge international conglomerate of toys and games, had met Nicholas Gleason, a little boy, from England through pure fate. At that time, Marco Sumner had just lost his sight, and at around that same time, he had received a letter from little Nicholas Gleason, who lived in England. Nicholas was blind, and in his letter, he had asked Marco Sumner if he could start manufacturing and developing more toys for blind and less fortunate kids. Nicholas's letter had so touched Marco that he had invited the little boy and his parents to spend Christmas in America with him and his family too. And he had sent his plane to pick up the Gleasons. Nicholas and Marco had bonded instantly and in the following year the Gleasons had moved permanently to America. And as they say, the rest was history. In the episode, The President's Super Christmas Plane, both Marco and Nicholas received great Christmas presents on Christmas morning. Marco's doctors had given him the good and unexpected news that most of his vision could be restored. And in the case of Nicholas, he had received new vision. Nicholas now works alongside his mentor, Marco. And each Christmas, the President's Super Christmas Plane keeps up its tradition of dropping off hundreds of thousands of presents around the world to blind kids and to those kids who are less fortunate and oh yes the less fortunate adults and those adults who are blind are also not forgotten marco is now married and has a young son who he has named nicholas marco but they have given him the nickname of little nicholas but they've shortened it even more to little nick Christmas is just around the corner and both Marco and Nicholas have been hard at work for the past few months. Marco's international conglomerate has been super busy churning out all kinds of toys and games and the employees have been staying late at night to work on huge shipments of toys and games to kids in several countries around the world. Nicholas has been working with designers and developers to produce toys and games adapted for blind kids. And it has been a real challenge for him as each year he has had to come up with new ideas. It has really challenged his imagination but Nicholas has enjoyed every minute of it. 
especially so that Marco has given him free reign and has also spent many hours working with him to get things just right. Thanks to Marco's and Nicholas's initiatives, blind kids around the world can now play with such things as beeping balls and beeping pucks, frisbees that talk and beep, footballs and baseballs that do the same thing, talking robots and all kinds of talking games, racing cars and train sets that can be operated through voice commands, planes, helicopters and ships in the same way, dolls and teddy bears that talk and interact through voice commands, and doll houses that can be operated through remote controls, makeup sets that can be used through voice commands, in short, all kinds of toys and games that can be operated and interacted with through voice commands. Many would say that in short, Marco and Nicholas have managed to revolutionize and evolutionize the world of playing fun for blind kids and they have also managed to impact the world of young blind adults as well as millions of others. Nowadays such things as learning to knit and crochet for a blind person is so much easier. Playing with video games has become a snap for blind players. Reading drawings and taking pictures for a blind person, especially so for a blind kid, has become a reality. Laptop computers with adaptive software have become so much more affordable and skis and skates with special software to guide a blind person on the slopes and around the skating rink have now become a reality. And on and on and on it goes. Critics have nicknamed these two the two magicians and for good reason. Nothing seems to be impossible with these two at the drawing board. And now with Christmas fast approaching, it is time once more for them to do what they do best. A Mysterious Request Marco and Nicholas know only too well how much they are being depended upon and for this Christmas they are anticipating that hundreds of thousands of stores worldwide will be stocking their products. It is now early December and everyone is crazy busy. The summer conglomerate is working overtimes and the two magicians are doing what they do best. This night is a particularly busy one, but Marco and Nicholas have been invited by the family 
to have dinner at the main house. Little Nick is especially happy to see his dad and greets him at the front door as he and Nicholas enter. And the table is already set and dinner is about to be served. A huge Christmas tree stands in the family room and it is about seven feet in height. It is beautifully decorated from head to foot. There is a golden star at the very top of the tree and lots of Christmas lights covered in artificial icicles adorn the beautiful tree. There are also lots of handmade Christmas decorations and most of these have been personally made by Marco's mama Kirsten. Christmas presents of all sizes, shapes and wrapped in paper in all imaginable colors and patterns are piled high under the tree and you know what? Most of them are for little Nick. The sweet pine fragrance of the Christmas tree along with the pungent aroma of dinner seemed to have put everyone in a great mood and the gathered family soon sit down to dinner. And they do this after Marco has said grace. The table is covered with dishes loaded with steaming food and Marco's mum Kirsten and Marco's wife Chelsea have spent all day preparing the sumptuous meal. There is roast pheasant and baked pork, a huge turkey and large slices of roast beef, sweet potato pie and mashed potatoes with rich gravy, a green bean casserole and roasted veggies. And for dessert, the ladies are claiming a surprise. Everyone is talking about upcoming Christmas celebrations. And little Nick comments that this meal is very much like the Christmas meal. And everyone laughs and agrees. The gathering eats slowly, savoring all of the dishes. But as coffee and tea are about to be served, there comes the ringing of the doorbell, and Marco gets up to answer it. He returns with an envelope in his hands and passes it over to Nicholas, who takes it hesitantly and then opens it. Nicholas opens it and reads quickly. Then he passes it back to Marco. Marco reads it and then a very puzzled look comes over his face. And as he looks at Nicholas, he sees the same expression on his face. Everyone grows silent and waits expectantly. 
And then Marco tells the family that he and Nicholas are needed immediately elsewhere. He tells the family that he is not sure what it is all about, only that it appears to be from a well-known reporter who has asked to meet both him and Nicholas. The family is naturally disappointed, but they understand. And soon the two men are ready to take their leave. Not before Nicholas has given little Nick a piggyback ride, as this is one of little Nick's favorites. Then the two are off in Marco's Mercedes, speeding along the snow-covered streets towards the reporter's office. Traffic is not very heavy at this time of the night, as it is almost 8 p.m. But as they drive, they observe that there are several um, of the malls along the way that are still open and crowded with Christmas shoppers. And many of the sidewalks are crowded with people walking, chatting, and greeting each other. Marco steers his prize car expertly through the streets. And then they turn into an almost deserted parking lot. The two men get out quickly and walk towards the office building. They walk briskly. And they stop at the reception desk to sign in. Then they take the elevator to the 12th floor. Marco and Nicholas alight from the elevator and walk down the hallway covered in a very plushed carpet. They stop about halfway down at a large door and press a buzzer and then they are let in. A tall man in a dark suit rises to meet them and ushers them into his office. They exchange greetings and then he invites them to sit. Zach Reisman is a high-profile reporter for one of the city's top newspapers and he's a very well-liked reporter. He reaches back and presses a button to a wet bar and soon he is pouring drinks for his guests. Then it is time to get down to business. Zach boots up his desktop computer and after searching for a few minutes he finds what he is looking for. He opens up an email and beckons Marco and Nicholas to draw closer. The three men read silently and Zach tells them that the email is from someone that he does not really know. But after checking out the email address, he discovers that it is someone from the very prestigious Chris Kringle Christmas Foundation. The foundation is very legitimate and the sender of the email is also legitimate and he is the chairman of this foundation. 
He's asking that Zach enlists the help of Marco and Nicholas to fulfill a very unusual request because they are the only ones that he trusts to be able to do it and he will provide whatever they need in order to do so. But he needs to know no later than tomorrow morning. Marco and Nicholas look at each other with expressions of puzzlement, expectancy and bewilderment. No one has ever made such a request like this one until now. And true it is that they have developed a very prestigious reputation in the toy industry for their foresight and creativity and for outdoing themselves each year at Christmas time. But what to make of this particular request? Zach Reisman observes as the two men sit there with heads close together discussing and debating and he is betting everything that they will accept this particular challenge and in the end they do. But before giving their final okay, they ask Zach to leave him alone for a few hours so that they can strategize. They will give Zach their final decision by tomorrow morning. Zach obliges by leaving them to their business and he walks out a very happy man, smiling broadly as he goes and whistling to himself. He tells himself that the first step has been accomplished. Yes, the Kris Kringle Foundation or the Kris Kringle Christmas Foundation is very well known and Marco and Nicholas have heard lots about it. But truth be told, no one has ever really met the churn. But Zach has met him and knows him very, very well. A Special Christmas Mission Marco and Nicholas have spent all night strategizing and after some hours they have agreed on a plan to make this mission a success. There are some things that they will need to learn and some things that they will need to create, but they will need to hurry if they are to get going. First, they tell Vax Reisman that they have agreed to do the mission and he is delighted. He comes over to the office and meets them there. And he gets them to sign a document of non-disclosure. Then Marco and Nicholas are off to begin work on their top secret mission. First things first. They worked to procure a ship that is large enough to hold everything that they need. It turns out that Zack has to help with this and all of the necessary gadgets are installed so that Marco and Nicholas can steer it themselves. Special control panels are quickly installed and large 
different screens are set up so that both Marco and Nicholas can see better. In addition, Nicholas is able to install his Braille devices so that he has a backup system just in case anything goes wrong. Three days before the mission is scheduled to get on the way and the President's Super Christmas ship is ready and it is towed to a very secret location. The crew is assembled and is taken to the secret location. There are 12 crew members. Then Marco and Nicholas work furiously to get the cargo ready. They and their employees work night and day to create and develop some very special devices. No one is allowed to say exactly what these devices and gadgets and everything else are. Marco and Nicholas especially enjoy this part of the mission, building, assembling, fitting and testing each component. Then all is ready for the big night. And the seas are very calm. The stars seem to be aligned in the right way for sailing. But these two seasoned sailors are still a bit worried. They check the position of the moon and the stars as they sit up front in the captain's compartment. They are well seated in the captain's and co-captain's chairs. They check and recheck their communication panels. They check and recheck their charts and compasses. Then, with a final thumbs up from their crew, they turn on their engines and set their course. The ship burrs easily into life and eases quietly out of her berth. And then, with the waters lapping gently against her sides, and the final wave from Zach Reisman, she turns and heads out to sea. Marco reflects to Nicholas how beautiful the heavens look, with a full moon stars shining brightly in the sky and everything around them looking so clear. Nicholas responds by commenting on the very calm sea. No ships in sight, waves very low and gentle. Currents almost non-existent and the surface of the sea as smooth as glass and shining in the moonlight. Everything seems almost perfect as the ship makes very good time. And Marco, Nicholas and the crew decide to relax a bit. The crew begins to share some of the Christmas goodies that they have brought along and soon everyone is in the Christmas mood singing, telling jokes, and eating and drinking. But then, 
drama at sea. When it does come, it is totally unexpected, given how things look. And with little warning, and just before it happens, there comes a huge war, roar, and then nobody is prepared for what happens next. Marco will later remember seeing a huge dark wall of water coming rapidly and directly towards the ship. And Nicholas will later remember feeling a thundering crash against the ship. The crew is not prepared for this, and shouts could be heard all around. And then the ship is dragged down just below the surface for a split second. And then when it rises again, all of the lights are out. And the control panel has been knocked out. Soon the ra ship's radio fails and Marco and Nicholas quickly realize that they have lost complete control with the rest of the world. Time for Nicholas to go to work on his braille backup system. And while he does this, Marco goes below to check on the crew and to make sure that the cargo is intact. Checks reveal that for the most part, the cargo is intact and that the crew are all accounted for. And then with a huge stroke of luck, Nicholas is able to bring up his Braille backup system. And thank God its batteries are fully charged and able to sustain the ship. Soon he's able to restore most of the lights and the ship's power. But lo and behold, the compass has now started to act up, and the ship soon finds itself terribly off course. Marco and Nicholas huddle to consult, and at best things are very grim, for without a compass they are doomed. They do not know where they are, but then Nicholas has a bright idea. Why not use the alignment of the stars to help them navigate? Marco readily agrees, and soon they come up. And shortly after they start sailing with the stars, as this is the way they used to do it many, many years ago, the compass magically comes back to life, and Marco tells them that they have lost about three hours, and now they need to make it up. Everyone gets to work and are immensely relieved. And after this, all of the ship's power is somehow restored, and systems are again fully functioning. The control panel and the ship's radio spring back to life, and Nicholas turns off his Braille backup system. Now Marco estimates that they 
are about just two hours away from their destination. And everyone begins to relax a bit, but not Nicholas. He has a hunch that they are not yet out of the woods, and he is bang on the money. This time, they saw them coming straight for the ship. A large school of sharks swimming towards the ship, and nowhere to go for the poor ship and its crew. Marco and Nicholas watch in fascinated horror as the huge school swims towards them, massive and powerful, their large fins distinct in the moonlight, and their long tails swishing menacingly back and forth in the deep ocean. Marco and Nicholas begin to pray, and the crew joins in. There is nowhere to go, and the ship will not be able to avoid the head-on collision. About 100 yards separate ship from sharks. Then they are down to about 50 yards. Then they are down to about 25 yards. And then, Marco and Nicholas cannot believe their eyes. From nowhere out of the blue and rising up out of the sea are hundreds and hundreds of dolphins. Marco and Nicholas and the crew watch in spellbound silence as the dolphins proceed to surround their ship creating a buffer between ship and sharks. But then there is more. Hundreds and hundreds of birds come out from nowhere, streaking across the path of the sharks and making excruciating sounds as they fly overhead. At first, the sharks do not seem to notice the presence of the dolphins and the birds. But then, something very strange seems to take place. The leading sharks and of the school and the dolphins stop dead in the water. And the other sharks and the other dolphins follow. The dolphins draw closer to the ship forming a very tight circle and the birds overhead suddenly stop shrieking forming an overhead canopy over the sharks there is a standoff in progress dolphins are waiting sharks are hesitating and birds are watching but then it is the sharks who blink first. As everyone watches, they turn ever so slowly away from the ship and start heading away in a different direction. It seems as if they take hours to do this, but as many would later recount, 
they were out of sight in less than half an hour. And then it seemed that at a signal, the dolphins had all disappeared beneath the surface, and the flock of birds had all vanished into thin air. Now Marco and Nicholas were left standing there, wondering what had just happened. The Mysterious Helicopter Marco and Nicholas look at each other with panic and bewilderment, and the crew are standing around with apprehension plastered on their faces. The ocean around them is completely empty. The sea is calm and there are no waves, but the sound keeps on coming closer and closer, and then they see it. It is coming in fast from the east, and it is quite big. Its lights pierce the early morning darkness, and it can be seen blinking brightly as the helicopter approaches. And it is a helicopter, and a gigantic one. Everyone in the ship stands and watches the helicopter's approach. It draws near and then circles the President's ship three times. Then it manages to drop a large white envelope onto the ship's deck. But as one of the crew scrambles to pick it up, there is a gust of wind and the envelope is blown into the sea. It takes two more attempts before a new envelope is caught and hand it over to Marco. Marco grabs it and goes below to read its contents. Nicholas hurries after him, and while everyone waits for their return, the helicopter hovers overhead. Finally, Marco and Nicholas return and give instructions to the crew. They are to follow the helicopter. Marco and Nicholas are not too sure about where things stand, but from the instructions received in the white envelope, the helicopter is supposed to lead them to their destination, and a few minutes after the instructions are given, they receive a radio signal from the helicopter, from a voice that seems somewhat familiar. For the next 45 minutes, the helicopter flies ahead, leading the President's Super Christmas ship onwards. And then one of the crew starts to shout that they can see land ahead. Soon everyone on board sees land, and there before them is a magnificent beach. Marco and Nicholas can't believe their eyes. The crew simply stands there, open-mouthed. It is one of the most beautiful views that any one of them has ever seen. The sun has not yet quite risen, but they can all see the beach. 
golden yellow sand with white foamed breakers rolling gently towards the shore. Lush green palm trees can be seen swaying gently in the background and there appears to be a shallow lagoon close by. At first, the beach seems to be deserted, but then the crew can make out a number of figures running towards the beach. Marco and Nicholas consult their notes and confer with each other. So far, so good. Their friend Zach Reisman had told them that their destination would be an island with a beautiful beach and an equally beautiful lagoon. And he would told them, had told them that they would simply be swept off their feet when they saw it all. Marco tells the crew to unfasten the cargo and to get it ready for unloading. Then they go forward to supervise. This takes a bit longer than expected and Marco has to hurry them along as some of the crew are a bit distracted by their surroundings. And as they continue to get the cargo ready, there are some who start to wonder what exactly is in the cargo. Marco and Nicholas stand and watch closely. As the cargo is being prepared for offloading, and they tell their crew to be careful with each and every piece. The crew is told to handle with great care and that they must not drop any of the pieces or drop off at Deep Island. The President's Super Christmas ship draws as closely as it can get to the beach and drops anchor at about 200 yards offshore. And before they know it, there are a number of small boats rowing quickly towards them. The boats pull alongside the ship and the crew hastens forward to start loading them. And soon the boats turn and travel towards shore. Marco and Nicholas reach shore and are told that they need to hurry as the return journey needs to get on the way before the sun rises. About a dozen men appear out of nowhere and help them to unpack the cargo. Each box has a name affixed to it and each of the dozen men grabs their box and runs towards the palm trees and soon they are back dressed for departure. And then they are taken out to the President's super ship in the small boats that originally brought the cargo to shore. Marco and Nicholas are taken back to the President's super ship. Then they are off again. And then Marco and Nicholas finally realize 
they begin to worry. And before taking up anchor, they decide to go in search of the helicopter. But one of the dozen men who has just boarded and who seems to be the leader of the dozen men who have boarded tells Marco and Nicholas to hurry now because they need to do this before the first rays of the sun appears over the horizon. The man who introduces himself as Chris reassures Marco and Nicholas that everything is going to plan and that they should not worry about anything. When he is asked about the whereabouts of the helicopter, the President's Super Christmas ship is now well on its way and the breakfast has just been served. Marco and Nicholas are seated alone waiting to be served and as they look around they notice that Chris is striding towards them with a pleasant smile on his face. He bows to them and asks them if he could join them and they nod in unison. Chris sits down and tucks his very long legs under the table and with a scratch of his scraggly red beard he begins his tale a tale that neither Marco nor Nicholas is quite prepared for. The Christmas Crew Marco and Nicholas are about to hear a very interesting story. And as Chris eats, he speaks very softly, but clearly. He and his other 11 friends have been hiding out on Deep Island for the past few months. Santa Claus had sent them there to wait for a right time to return. And then the idea of asking Marco and Nicholas to help out had arisen and Zach Reisman had been asked to contact the two magicians. Chris's real name was Chris Kringle and he was the chairman of the Chris Kringle Christmas Foundation. And each year he and his men had made it a tradition to help Santa Claus with his Christmas missions. The foundation had been threatened a few months ago and a threat to kidnap Chris and his men had been made. Now they had to make sure that their return would be kept a top secret. And as Marco and Nicholas ate their breakfast, listening to what Chris Kringle is telling them, the entire story begins to unfold. And this is why they were asked to develop invisible suits. The Christmas crew are wearing the suits that Marco and Nicholas have created for them. The suits are equipped with special guiding devices plus more. And with the press of a button on the wrist of their jacket, they can become immediately invisible to the eye. 
The hats are red with white tassels. Jackets are red and also the trousers are red with white socks. The Kris Kringle Christmas Foundation emblem is emblazoned on the front of the jacket. Chris Kringle tells Marco and Nicholas what is supposed to happen when they reach shore, but he leaves out a very important piece, and Marco and Nicholas are suspicious, but they do not ask any more questions. The men finish their breakfast, and Chris Kringle goes off to have a nap while Marco and Nicholas decide to relax and enjoy the rest of the journey with their crew. Chris's men follow him along to take a nap as well, and on his way to his cabin, Chris stops and looks around to make sure that no one is looking. Then he knocks softly at the closed door and enters. The man in the bed is immediately wakened by the soft knock and smiles at Chris as he enters. The man reassures Chris that no one saw him come aboard while they were at Deep Island. And he tells Chris to return to his own cabin and to take a nap. Their mission is not yet complete. There is much more to do before Christmas comes. Under the Christmas tree. And Marco and Nicholas return safely home to their loved ones, anchoring the President's super Christmas ship at its original location. And Zach Reisman meets them and thanks them. Chris Kringle and his men disembark and follow Zack to a small bus, and then they leave the scene. Marco and Nicholas collect their belongings and they too leave, as they need to get ready for their own Christmas tradition, the flight of the President's Super Christmas Plane. On its annual journey, around the world. Someone waits for everyone else to leave. And then he slips off the ship and lo and behold, his sleigh is waiting for him, along with Chris Kringle and his men. And Christmas Eve is finally here and the President's Super Christmas plane is ready for takeoff. And so too is Santa's sleigh. But there is something that Santa needs to do before taking off in his sleigh. Little Nick is going to make his first trip with his dad and Nicholas on this Christmas Eve. And the little boy simply cannot contain his excitement. Marco has convinced his family to come along for the ride. But Nicholas's family decides to stay home and mind the shop. The President's Super Christmas plane has just taken off. 
and with cold, fresh Christmas winds at its back, it makes good time as it crisscrosses the globe. It stops briefly at one of the Pacific Islands for them for some refueling and then it continues on. Marco and Nicholas are totally unaware that they have company. Only when they hear a loud ho 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 over the plane's radio do they realize. And there is Santa Claus striding down the aisle towards him. He is smiling and little Nick is shouting with pure delight. Santa Claus hugs everyone and then he sits for a bit and tells a stunned Marco and Nicholas that it was he who had flown the helicopter that had guided them to Deep Island and that he had hitched a ride back on their ship and now he was giving them the keys to his gigantic helicopter. Santa Claus then picks up little Nick and tosses him into the air, almost making him bumps his head against the ceiling of the plane. Then he whispers something into little Nick's ear and the child whoops with delight. Then Santa is on his way and striding to the back of the plane. But before leaving, he tells the family to look under their Christmas tree when they return home. Then, with a final wave, he's gone. Plane and sleigh complete their Christmas traditions and return to their respective homes. Marco and Nicholas and their families are not disappointed. For when they indeed look under the Christmas tree, I'm Detective DJ, and I'd like to thank you for listening in to episode 7, and I hope that you enjoyed it as much as we have enjoyed bringing it to you. The President's Super Christmas Ship, Episode 7. I'd like to wish each and every one of you a very, very Merry Christmas. A toast to you for the coming New Year. Happy Holidays. Enjoy whatever you do. Buon Natale. Joyeux Noël. Feliz Navidad. Merry Christmas. And see you for Episode 8. Bye for now. This has been Crime Crushers. On whose blind life is it anyway? 
the Blind Perspective Network. Catch Crime Crushers every Wednesdays on Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway? Sponsored by VIP Tech.